Dr. Shah Zanzari, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're looking at the different roles of top and middle management in organisational change. So the first question is, do top and middle managers differ in their approach to change? Um, a short answer, yes, they do. Um, a lot of studies have shown that top management tends to follow more unilateral strategies in formulating and implementing change, while middle management is known to use more interactive strategies when they initiate and manage change. So they do differ in how they approach change. Top management has a more organization-level perspective, often known as the upper echelons perspective, where they are more concerned with the strategic aspects of change and how it impacts the overall organization and its competitiveness in in a changing environment, whereas middle management is sort of more concerned with how it impacts employees in their day-to-day operations and not just the organization as a whole. So they're closer to employees and the the effects of change on employee well-being rather than just the effect of change on organizational competitiveness. So I would say, yes, they do have different uh, perspectives on change. And I suppose what we think of as managers implementing change is very dominant people. Change comes from the boardroom down and people don't necessarily collaborate. So are top managers dominant in the change process or do middle managers have a chance to, if you like, collaborate and play into it as well? Um, I would say yes, the top managers certainly have more resources and power in an organisation. So a lot of times middle managers do initiate change and they do come up and champion new change initiatives. They do. So change isn't always forced upon them. No, change is not always forced upon them. They do play a part or a role even in formulating change strategies or getting interesting ideas across to top management. But they often need top management champions for resources and organizational, uh, um, um, you know, other kinds of resources and capabilities that they require for getting those changes implemented. So, yes, they do play a role, but it's really hard for them to, to play that role without top management's backing and without top management's support. So, And I know that a lot of change fails. I think someone's estimated that 70% of, of planned changes don't have the in, intended outcomes. But do middle managers always have to do the follow-my-leader uh, approach? Or is there a sort of thinking and acting process? And if you implement that change process properly, you will, if you like, adapt your change strategy. So traditionally there has been this false division between thinking and acting in change strategies. Top management has been known to be the thinkers and middle management is supposed to be the implementers of the strategy thought out by top management. But scholars have long questioned this division as being false. From Henry Minsberg, who's one of the leading scholars in change, has shown that this division is completely false. Um, so, yes, traditionally that has been the argument, but it's it's not that Top management thinks, middle management implements, but it's both top management and middle management are both involved in change. It depends on the type of change, uh, how it's perceived in the organization, and its likely impact. So you could argue that middle management play a linking role between the top management being their accomplice and, and the employees as being their representative. Now, this linking role is complex because they're kind of caught in the middle, no pun intended there, 
but they do have a very, very important role as this linking pin. The problem is that it's very hard for them to play this linking role unless they are included in the in the strategy formulation. It's very hard for me to go and sell something to people reporting to me if I'm either not convinced about that or I don't understand it very well. So, so the idea for them to be an effective linking pin means they need to be included in the strategy formulation for them to be able to understand, get the big picture before they go and uh, mobilize employees into supporting that change and committing it, committing themselves to that change. But isn't that hard to decide if you're a top manager when to actually tell your secrets of your change or your takeover deal, how you're going to take on more staff or shed staff or or bring two organisations together? Getting the middle managers involved is going to be um, key in terms of timing because your secret is out. As soon as you involve the middle managers, they're going to know what your strategy is. Well, well, normally it should be... uh, I, th- I think more strategies should be shared within the organization. So I don't think secrets need to be kept within the organization as opposed to outside the organization. Um, to be honest, sometimes for changes that are unpleasant, top management of- often uses external consultants and consulting firms to be able to justify their change. But for lots of other changes which they initiate, they do include or they should include middle management for their input in formulating those strategies, yes, sometimes this can be sensitive. And sometimes this can be um, time-consuming because if you want change to proceed rapidly, more involvement of middle managers can slow down the, the, the uh, change process. Historically, they have been looked at as, as blockers of change. And the, the, the conventional perspective is, yes, you involve middle management, will just slow down, retard the change process because they're going to resist and they might even spread the word that top management is about to I don't know, initiate some uh, life-changing uh, 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 transformations in the organization that's really bad for the employees. This is the traditional role. But if they can be involved and sold and, and convinced about the change strategy, then they can be expected to play a more positive role in its implementation because they are, after all, closer to the employees and day-to-day operations as well as to customers. So I would say, yes, it's a sensitive matter, but on average, Middle manage, uh, top management is better off including them rather than uh, surprising them with change. So that's what you call the middle manager as, if you like, a broker of change, the broker role. They look up, they look down, and they also look outward to the markets. Right. But what about involving the um, employees themselves in this change process? Is it sort of, if you like, as you said, sensitive to know when to spread the change strategy further? I think, yes, there's always organizational sensitivity. Change is one reason why change is, uh, change, such a large percentage of change fails is because of the resistance that's encountered in its implementation. So most change failures are because of employee resistance and lack of commitment to getting changes done. So, yes, it is sensitive, and, and sometimes employees, uh, the change may affect the organization or maybe for the strategic benefit of the organization but affect employees uh, 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 in a manner which they might not like. So yes, they might be resistant. So involving them is for sure sensitive. But I think here, middle management can play a very important role because top management doesn't have this direct-to-direct co- direct contact with the employees. And middle management does. So if they're if they are convinced about the change, they can play a, a pretty important role in 
making the change more palatable, explaining what the change is about, showing how that impacts their day-to-day operations and life and matters that are concerned to them, that are of immediate concern to them. So, yes, employees have an idea about how change impacts the overall organization, but what they're really worried about is how it impacts their day-to-day lives and how their day-to-day operations. And the source of resistance is not that they're against organizational change. The source of resistance is often how it impacts their routines. And if they can be convinced that it's, it that does not necessarily have a harmful effect or a damaging effect on their day-to-day operations, then you're likely to get more commitment and how uh, and more positive perceptions about change and its uh, and 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 th- therefore more effective implementation. Now, Dr. Shazanzari, I know that you wrote this paper in collaboration with colleagues elsewhere. Right. Um, but if we and you surveyed, I think uh, over uh, four hundred organizations you sent out 2000 questionnaires they were mainly at dutch organizations but let's look at some of those terms in your paper you talked about unilateral strategies interactive strategies upper echelon middle management perspectives do we know the right way to implement change so that your change in your company succeeds rather than fails as so many do as in, as in strategy, generally, strategy is always context-dependent. So there's no one uh, right way, I would say. That's just, that doesn't, uh, that would not be accurate to to argue for. Yes, upper echelon's perspective is the, it has been the historical, uh, more well-developed perspective of TMT teams, top management teams, as being the, the initiators of change and strategy formulation in organizations. More recently, people have stood up for the role of middle management as also very effective change agents who should be more and more involved for effective change implementations. This is the middle management perspective. And what we are saying is not that the upper echelon's perspective is better than the middle management perspective or vice versa, but simply that it depends on the type of change, the complexity of change, as, as well as the change strategies used and the perceived outcomes. So both have a role to play not that one is better than the other, but simply a more participative role where both top and middle management is involved in both formulation and implementation of change. So it's so more of a contingent argument rather than a uh, one is better than the other approach argument. It's collaborative, but if we now look at changes in the UK, the public sector, a lot of the organisations are changing there. Do your findings apply to the private and public sector equally? And and what about the role in the future of middle managers? Um, As companies shed staff, are middle managers going to be more important to companies? I definitely think they have a very important role to play, especially for difficult change decisions, which which involve, for instance, staff reductions. Uh, so that's a very, very difficult role, uh, simply because of this this middle role that they have, that as being as being agents or accomplices of top management, as well as being representatives of employees. So they have to play tread a very careful line, not being seen as agents of of the top management team and not being seen as simply the representatives of employees. Otherwise, they would lose their credibility with either one of them. But involving them in the change process is what top management often fails to do. So they do involve them, okay, here's the change plan, here's our change strategy, now go and get it done. And and then they... So what, what, we are, what we are arguing for, change management, uh, top managers not only need to include middle management in their change formulation strategies, but also in its... Imp- but also continue to be involved in the change implementation. 
So they can't have this division of roles between change strategy and change implementation, and more inclusiveness is likely to mitigate that resistance. Change will always be difficult. There will always be resistance. So we, we, there's no magic formula there. Of course, these decisions of public sector cuts always will be received with some resistance. There will be some people always opposed to it. But the more people you include and get them, and if they can understand why this is being done, why is it necessary, how it impacts them, so it doesn't come as a shock during implementation, they can see this happening and perhaps they can see the bigger picture and they can. this might mitigate some of the potential resistance and potentially diffuse some of the uh, opposition that you would see during implementation phase. So it won't, won't eliminate it. It will simply might, might reduce the chances of, of resistance and therefore more effective change. And finally, lessons for the public sector too, as well as the private sector there. Our organisations included both public and private sector organisations. Um, I think some of the lessons might, might apply to both types of organisations. In any case, you see a lot of public-private mingling right now, Essex decommissioning as a council and, and, and lots of public-private collaborations. I think what's really key here is the complexity of change, so how, how complex is the change process, whether it's a private organization undergoing transformation or a public organization undergoing transformation. And the other aspect is, of course, the size of the organization, how large is the organization. So I would imagine more similarities between a large public and a large private organization versus a large private or a small public and vice versa. So I think organizational similarity is is key here rather than simply public-private dichotomies. Well, you've certainly finished the podcast on a very topical note. Dr. Shahz Ansari, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today, The Different Roles of Top and Middle Management in Organisational Change. It's been a pleasure, and this is an ongoing project, and I'll be happy to share my findings as, 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 as it goes, and we find more and more about this uh, particular topic. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much.